Well, question here, and I'm sure it's a no-brainer that everybody knows the answer to. Um, what happened 21 years ago today? 9-11. It was an interesting day, wasn't it? And I'm sure it's probably a day that every one of us knew exactly where we are, still knows exactly where, where we were and what we were doing on that day when that transpired, much probably as it was back in 1963 when uh, Kennedy was assassinated. I was three years old, and, uh, but I still remember that, something that traumatic. Um, but thinking of 9-11... And if we can think of it in a, in a spiritual, we know that it was horrendous, don't we? Uh, we were ministering in Florida last week. Uh, we got back home, I think, it was one day last week, Thursday, I think. And um, the host that we were staying with is friends of ours uh, for a long time. And um, he is a retired FBI agent, pastoring now a church in Florida. And uh, he has the FBI walk, the FBI talk, but he has a heart of gold. And he, in our church, many, many years ago, he did a 9-11 presentation for us. And they did, were doing a 9-11 presentation for their church this past Wednesday. So we were able to take that in before we left. And uh, just brings all kinds of fresh things, and I'm sure that you'll see things on TV today. But, you know, it is something that we should never forget. It is something, I think, spiritually that ought to keep us focused on Christ and on his grace and on his mercy. Yes, there were thousands of people that were lost and that are today in eternity. Many probably saved, many probably lost. But you know, as, as people living in America, and still the greatest country on the face of the earth with all the problems that we have, and we still ask for God's grace and for God's mercy. But there are problems here. But this ought to be something. God has given us several wake-up calls throughout history. And I was thinking about 9-11. My message is not really on 9-11. I'll get to that in just a minute. Pastor Mary didn't tell me how much time I had this time, so I just, no, I'm just kidding. He never does, but uh, I'm conscientious. But as I got to thinking about that, I thought, how... What began, and you can help me with this. We're going to be interactive here for just a little bit. What began to happen after 9 11? I was still pastoring at the time in West Virginia. But what began to happen right after 9 11 for maybe two, three weeks? What? Unity? What else? People returned to church. People began to pray more. There was a little spark, was there not, of life, of light, of fire, if you will. Some people were going to church because of fear. 
But some people were going to church, rightfully so, because the Lord was speaking to their hearts and drawing them unto himself as believers. Because a lot of the what-ifs came into play, didn't it, in our lives? You know, for so many years, even as Americans, we might have thought, well, what if this would happen to us? Well, it has, hasn't it? Who would have thought we would have had something that disastrous happen on American soil? The wars that we fought have all been on foreign soil. But this happened at home, didn't it? The brother that we stayed with, the FBI agent, was four blocks from ground zero when the towers were struck. Lost all communication with his wife and family. She did not know for hours because he was back and forth into the Trade Center with his job and different things. She did not know for hours whether he was alive or whether he was dead. Some of you may have had family members or relatives there as well. I don't know, but every single American, in one way or another, we were all affected, were we not? But it was only for three weeks, more or less. Isn't that interesting? But I dare say such is human nature. So my question is, is how many more wake-up calls is God going to give us before his judgment falls on America? Or could it be that his judgment is already beginning to fall on America? But you say, brother, as a result of what? I believe it's as a result of us. Not being as serious as we need to be about the gospel of Christ. Not being as serious as we need to be and as we should be and should have been about the house of God. About raising our families with the Lord. And on and on we keep going. It's interesting that Brother Gary read Matthew 5 this morning. Uh, I struggled with the message for some time as to just really get down what the Lord wanted me to to share. But when I saw the scripture reading this morning, I thought, wow, Lord, okay. Because what we're going to do is we're going to turn back to Matthew 5. We're going to read verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to pick up with verse 13, 14, 15, and 16. So if you would turn there this morning, and really the, the question that, or, or not the question, but if you want to give it the, a title, the, the simple title for the message this morning is God Ignite Our Wicks. In other words, we could put it this way, Lord, light me up. Stir me up. Because even though we see the Lord's ready to come back any time, there's still much to be done. And there's still much that we can do and that we should be doing for the Lord. Sometimes people will say, well, as Brother Gary said in Sunday school, I think it was, that, that you know, well, I can't do it. I don't have the ability to do it, you know. But if God calls us to do something, God desires for us to do something, he will enable us to do it. And as Gary said, he will give us the grace to do it. Matthew 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. 
And when he was set, or when he was set down, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. Now this is not just talking back and forth. This is teaching them. This is instructing them. They only had a limited amount of time with Jesus. Three and a half years is all they had, and they were thrust out into the world. Now slip down, if you would, Brother Gary read verse, those verses down through verse 12. Let's pick up with verse 13, and let's see if we might, what else the Lord is teaching these disciples. And he says to them in verse 13, ye are the salt of the earth. Now that's an imperative statement. That's a, a, a you. You is the subject. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but uh, to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and give, it giveth light unto all that are in the house. And then look what the Lord tells the disciples. He looks at each one of them, I believe, and he says, let your light, let your individual light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Lord, we ask your blessing upon our time this morning. We pray for your wisdom and your direction, your guidance. I pray that you would meet with us. Stir us up, Lord, to do the work, to do your work for much time there is not yet before you come. We don't know. It's imminent. It could come. You could come before the service ends. But Lord, we still have much to do. And I pray that we would make, make ourselves available to you to do that which you instruct us to do. May you receive the honor and the glory and be high and lifted up this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Ignite our wicks. Now, everyone, especially the older folks in here, all of us, um, we grew up with lanterns, didn't we? Remember the old oil lamps and had the wicks in them? We're going we're gonna to talk about those this morning, and we're going to use those as an illustration to, to our spiritual lives in just a few, mo a few moments. But when we were growing up, there was a song that we used to sing about oil. Do you remember what it, what it was? Give me, well, sing it with me, will you? We're not going to sing through the whole thing. But just for, you can sing, come on, here we go. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. What are we asking for? We're asking for the, the anointing of the Spirit of God upon our lives. That we might burn brightly for Him before a lost and a dying world. And this morning, I don't believe 
that it's the availability of oil as much as it may be the condition of our wicks that keep us from burning brightly for Christ. Does that make sense? In Matthew 5, the Lord's speaking to a large crowd, but more directly to his disciples. And look what he says there in verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So I'd like for us to take a look at the condition of our wicks, if we will, or our heart's condition this morning, and see if there may be some changes that are needed in order for us as individuals or as a congregation to shine brighter and better for God. And I think that each of us, knowing myself as a human being, if I need my wick brighter, there's probably one or two more in here that needs our wicks brighter too, right? We just need, we, we, we need a, and I don't like to use this word a lot because of how much it's going around, but we just need a boost spiritually, don't we? We need that encouragement. And we need each other to be an encouragement to us and us to each other so that we can do the job and get things done for the Lord that need to be done. There are multiple references of, and it's amazing, I think, to see how many times light and lamps and lampstands or candlesticks are referred to in Scripture. There are a multitude of references, especially since those kinds of lights have been around since 1500 B.C., you know, long before electricity. They didn't have electricity back then. And they were the lamp of Christ's. Uh, the lamp of choice in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ as well. So there's some interesting facts about these lamps that can relate directly to our spiritual lives. I'm not going to tell you anything new this morning. Uh, we all know the breakdown and, and what makes up a lamp, an oil lamp. But think with me if you would. Let's focus at, uh, and try to find some answers to just this single question, okay? What is potentially wrong you don't have to say anything because we're going to go through this. But what is potentially wrong with a wick that won't burn brightly? Okay? What is potentially wrong with a wick that won't burn brightly? Number one, the first potential problem is that it may be dry. It may be dry. One of the things that's vital for a wick to burn brightly is that it has to be soaked in oil, right? That if you go out to Walmart or somebody and buy an oil lamp, I love oil lamps, but if you go out and buy an oil lamp, you stick the wick in it, the wick's not been soaked in oil, and you start that wick, it'll burn a little bit. It won't burn brightly, it won't burn right, because it doesn't have the oil. It's dry. And one of the things that's vital for the wick to burn brightly is that it has to be not just have oil on it, but it has to be soaked in oil. And many times in Scripture, when we talk about the oil, it's the oil of the Holy Spirit. It's, that's what we're talking about. And in the Word of God, you'll find that many Scriptures that refer to oil are actually relating it symbolically to the Holy Spirit. And that fits so well. In order for us to burn brightly, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to saturate us. If that wick doesn't, isn't soaked with oil after a while, that flame's going to what? And it's probably not going to be bright. It's just going to burn out. Remember what I said about 9-11, 21 years ago? How long was there 
that <clears throat> that glow, not really a glow, but how long was did there seem to be a spiritual growing across the country? Three weeks, if that. You know, you had people come to church for a couple weeks, and then what happened after that? They stopped. Why? Because they saw that everything's going to be okay. Oh, I'll be okay. I don't really... You know, one of the sad things about believers, and what we have a tendency to do, is when you walk through a hotel or a restaurant or someplace, and you see these boxes on the wall, and inside the glass box... There may be a fire hose or there may be a fire extinguisher. But what's on the outside of the glass on that wall? What are the words? Break in case of emergency. Break in case of emergency. And sad to say, but a lot of times that's where we have a tendency of putting a Lord. Oh, we took him out of the box on 9-11 for about three weeks because we thought it was so important. We, we were afraid. Why are, we, why are we afraid uh, when disaster hits and we're afraid that we need, you know, and then we need God? Do we not need God all the time? Should we not fear God all the time? Not in the sense of being afraid, but a reverent, holy fear of who God is and how much we need Him and how much our life depends on Him and we should depend on Him. Oh, no, no, no. But we keep him behind the glass. Lord, I'm okay right now. Things are going good. Health's okay. Finances are okay. Everything's going peachy keen right now. And Lord, I'm just going to keep you there until I need you. When I need you, then I'll call you. And then I'll bring you out. What happened in about three to four weeks after 9-11? We put him back in the box, didn't we? Why? Because we felt that we didn't need him. What's happening in America today, 21 years later? Not that these things didn't happen throughout. Things keep getting worse and worse, don't they? And that's biblical. But you know where we are today in our country today. Things aren't going too great today, are they? No. Things aren't going good at all. Where do we have God? He's still in the box. Where's the fear? We're just in, we're, we're in as much of an uncertainty today as we were at 9-11, weren't we? Aren't we? Because our life, the Bible says, is a vapor. It's appeared, James says, appeared for a little time and then vanishes away. Who are we depending on? Well, can I say this? If you depended on the government up until for today, you might as well forget it. They're not going to take care of you. They've already proven that. But God will. Songwriter says, Be not dismayed, whatever be tied, God will take care of you. And as Gary used the verse in Sunday school, God says, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Is our wick dry? Is that why we have God behind the box? You see, the supply of oil is abundant when it comes to what the Holy Spirit can do. There is no lack. We do not have an oil shortage, if you will, when it comes to the Holy Spirit's availability and his desire to fill us. But 
it's the condition, I believe, of our wick. It's the condition of our hearts that determines, I think, if we will burn brightly or if we will just spark in three to four weeks after 9-11 and then burn out. We need to give diligence to soaking up God's word. Why did God give us his word? Just so that we would have another book that we can lay on our table and, and collect dust? Although it's doing that in many Christians' houses. No, that's not why he gave it to us. He gave it to us so that we might soak it in. He gave it to us so that we might meditate on it. He gave it to us so that we might have faith in it, so that we might learn it. He says, hide thy word, uh, his word in our hearts that we might not sin against him. But, our, but why aren't we doing that? We need to give diligence to the soaking up of God's word and obediently responding to his direction. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we got all of the Holy Spirit that we were going to get when we got saved. Okay, you with me on that? But the, the idea is this, is the power, the working power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If I quench the Spirit of God, he's not going to give me the power that I need to live for him on a daily basis. And we need that power, don't we, to live for him. We need that power to share the word of God. Nothing else provides the necessary fuel for the Christian life. So dryness, number one. Secondly, another potential problem with our heart or our wick is that maybe it needs trimming. Maybe it needs trimming. We've always heard that expression when we're lighting the candles or kerosene lanterns or, you know, but many people never understood why you need to trim them or <clears throat> what's involved with the trimming of a wig. Well, if you don't trim a wig and after it burns down so far, it's going to start smoking. And you're not going to get the flame that you really desire to have. Uh, you're not going to get the light then that you really need. We even sing about that process, don't we? In one of our old hymns that was written by Fanny, Fanny, Fanny Crosby. When Jesus comes to reward his servants. You ever heard that song? When Jesus comes to reward his servants. Whether it be noon or night, faithful to him will he find us watching. Remember the last part? With our lamps all trimmed and bright. Oh, can we say we are ready, brother? Can we? Can we really say that we're ready if our lamps aren't trimmed and burning bright? <clears throat> it needs trimming. And all the information about oil lamps and, and uh, confirmed in, in this single point, if it goes untrimmed, if it goes uncorrected, it will do nothing more than smoke, as I mentioned earlier, and just simply cause a mess. I don't know about you, but I hate cleaning the lantern globe. I always hated it. One of the things I hated was, is I was always afraid, you know how fragile they are? I was always afraid it was going to break and, and cut my hand. Needless to say, get all the smoke over your hand, you know, and the, the soot and everything. But they're not that easy to clean, especially if, you know, depending on how they're designed. But that's what they do. And so in order for us to get the brighter light then, what do we have to do? Once we get the, 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 the wick trimmed, <clears throat> say we just trim the wick and we fire it back up and it, be, it burns brightly, but we're still not getting the light. What's the reason for not getting the light? 
The reason is, is the globe's dirty. So we get our heart right, and as we get our heart right, it'll be evidenced out through our life. The globe, if you will. Remember, we're reflectors of Christ. What does he say? Let your light so shine. And in order for that light to shine brightly and give it the best light possible, not only does the heart have to be clean, but it needs to be reflected out through our life. The globe has to be clean as well, if you will. We don't want it rendered ineffective, do we? But a lot of times, spiritually speaking, this is where we often find ourselves. Well, I'm a hopeless case. No, you're not. You're not a hopeless case. Well, God can never use me because of my life. Because of Wait a minute. <clears throat> if you go back in Scripture and you look at the people that God used in Scripture, He can certainly use us if He could use them. You say, well, what do you mean? You remember a man by the name of Moses? Yes, he did great things, didn't he? He wrote the five books of the Old Testament. But yet Moses was a murderer. Well, I've never done that. Well, you're one step ahead of Moses. He was human. It's the whole point. Remember by a man by the name of Peter who denied Christ? I'll never deny you, Lord. I'll follow you till the end. I'll be crucified like you're going to be crucified. You know, I'll go the whole, the whole way with you, Lord. And maybe there's believers today as we talk, we say the same thing. And the Lord looked at Peter and he said, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. Isn't it interesting that the Lord did not say to Peter, not only are you going to deny me, but you're going to curse me. When he used curse words, when he said, I never knew him. If I remember right, there are two epistles written in the New Testament named after Peter. Did God use Peter? Oh, yeah. You find in the book of the Acts where the Lord recommissioned Peter. Peter got right with God. And on and on we could go. Remember the King David? Oh, sure, King David was a great king. The Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. Wouldn't you like to have that slogan on your tombstone? I don't know that David really wanted that on his tombstone, but if I remember right, David was an adulterer, and David was also a murderer. And who lived in sin for some time, as do many Christians. But David got right with God. And we have some of the most beautiful songs written in the book of the Psalms for us in God's Word by David. Yes, God can use us. God desires to use us. God wants to use us. But we've got to make sure that our globe is clean, that our heart is clean and trimmed so that we can burn brightly for the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we find ourselves doing things spiritually just for the sake of doing them. You ever find yourself in that category? I've got to go to church today because Pastor Mayor's got that little black book. And I've seen my name there. I'm just kidding. But, you know, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want any marks going in that book, you know, alongside my name. Well, so-and-so, uh, Gary wasn't here. Mark wasn't here today. Let's see, I'm going to have to get on them call. You know, 
No, or, or, or whatever. It may not just be coming to the house of God. It could be anything in our spiritual life. Well, I've got to talk to somebody today, I, I, you know, uh, about Christ. And uh, we find ourselves doing things for the Lord when we don't really want to do it. Okay? There's, no, there's really no power there. There's no passion there. There's no light behind what we're doing. It just seems like it's just smoke. And it has the potential of causing a mess, just like that lantern that's not trimmed right. So what happens then when we just go through the motions in our hearts? Like a wick, we can grow crusted and hard. And that's what will happen to a wick over time. Our hearts need to be trimmed. Our attitudes may need to be corrected. Our priorities may need to be redefined. Sometimes as believers, things begin to creep in that we put more of a priority on than we do on the things of God. And we find ourselves doing that for a while. But then when the Lord shows us through his word, or maybe even another believer that's trying to encourage us, rather than getting bitter and harsh and and, and angry at them, we need to be thanking God that he brought somebody our way that maybe just mentioned something. They didn't know any problems that were in our lives, but God used that as something just to prick our memory so that we would say, wait a minute. That's taking precedence over God in my life. You see, folks, we have to realize that It's not about me. It's not about us. It's not about growing the church. But it's all about Matthew 5, 16 here. It's about bringing the light of Jesus Christ to this community and to the world so that people may glorify God and come to his son. What does he say? Let your light, let your life, so shine before men that they may see your good works, your life, your testimony, what you're doing for God, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Nowhere does it say to glorify us. So if I'm in the, I'm in the grocery store and there's a lady in front of me, and, or somebody in front of me, that uh, is there and she's buying $50 worth of groceries and she's going to pay all those groceries in pennies, you with me? I'm about ready to get in the flesh. How long is it going to take her to pay for those great, especially, they're not going to be all counted out. You know? Yeah, we get upset, don't we? Well, there went my light. The song says, this little light of mine, right? What's the second stanza? Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. What did I just do? In that grocery store, standing in that line, I just put my light under a bushel and snuffed it out for that person. No sense in trying to talk to that person about Christ. It's like when we get up to go to church, you know, and we have kids. And every on Sunday, no doubt, the devil is trying to get us, keep us from going to church. And our kids are in our face and... They're just 
bugging us to death, and we are so upset, and you grab one around the neck, and you say, we are going to church, and we are going to be blessed today. And you do this all the way to church, and you walk in the church door and say, hey, pastor, how you doing? I know that's never happened to any of us, has it? <clears throat> we'll leave that one there. Oh, my. Psalm 51. Listen to what David says in Psalm 51, verse 10 through verse 13. He says, create in me a clean heart. Oh, God. He's getting his light taken care of. He's getting his lantern. He's getting his wick. He's getting everything taken care of here. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He's not talking about losing salvation. He's talking about the working of the Spirit of God in his life. Talking about the power of God. He says, restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. And then will I teach transgressors. Then I'll have the ability to teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. In other words, David said, until I get my life right, until I get my lantern right, until I get everything taken care of, I'm not going to be effective for the Lord. I'm not going to shine as brightly as I need to shine for the Lord Jesus Christ until I get everything cleaned up. It's not about a building, folks. It's not about church growth strategies. It's about getting our hearts trimmed and bright and then sending the light and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ into the lives of those living in darkness. And there are millions living in darkness all around us and thousands right here in the Carlisle area. Who's going to get to them? Who's going to reach them? You say, well, so-and-so will get to them. How do you know? And not only that, can we guarantee it? Well, I can't, I can't, I can't go witnessing. I can't talk to somebody. Neither could Moses. But God changed that, didn't he? He took that excuse away from Moses. And I think if we're not careful, a lot of times we're going to use our physical disabilities or physical inabilities... To keep us from serving the Lord, and our light's going to begin to flicker, if not, go out. If we allow God to trim us, if we allow the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, if we give him the room to fill us, I really believe that wholeheartedly then we'll see more souls saved. We'll see more relationships created. We'll see more lives enriched. We'll see more depth. We'll see more passion. We'll see more excitement about Christ. Listen, I would much rather be with somebody who is encouraging, who is joyful, than I would be with somebody who's eaten a quart of pickles and drank the juice afterwards and, and, and went on their, their merrily way. No. Our prayers should be, God, ignite my wick for your glory. For his glory. What does is, what is Matthew say here? Let your light shine. Tell others about Christ. Let them see your good works for the, for, for the Lord. But let them glorify your Father which is in heaven. In other words, he's saying we're just the reflector. And folks, we are reflecting somebody 
We're reflecting something all the time. We're either reflecting Christ or we're not. A couple more quick tidbits about wicks. They burn best if they're trimmed to a point. You probably all have heard that. Pointed upwards. Isn't that really what Jesus said in that verse? Let your lights so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father. What? He's where? In heaven. Where's heaven? It's up. If it's trimmed to a point. In fragrant oil lamps, the flame's only job is to bring light and release the fragrant oil <coughs> into the air. But listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 15. He says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Are we there? Are we that kind of a nation? Oh yeah, most definitely we are. But he wants us to shine, he says there in the last part of verse 15, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. You know, a lamp with multiple wicks delivers more light, doesn't it? So if you take the congregation of Faith Chapel and you bring us all together here, and all of us are letting our light shine, you've got a pretty bright light sitting here on this hill, don't you? And that's what we want. We want others to be drawn to Christ as a result of our lives. And they, we want them to say, I, they've got something. I, and I want what they have. We were in meetings in Tennessee, Georgia, Tennessee area. We were in a motel in Chattanooga. And the meetings were in Rossville, Georgia, which is just across the state line. We were staying in a motel. We had our little dog with us. And as we were going out, by, out and in and taking her out and in and so on and so forth, um, on Sunday morning, we'd do that. And then, of course, we were dressed to go out to church. Didn't say anything to anybody. Came back in from church. We checked out on Monday morning. And uh, as I checked out on Monday morning, I noticed on the bill that there was no pet fee. So... As I took the dog out and was talking to, I stopped at the, the desk, the manager was there, and I said, I noticed, you know, we do have our little dog and there was no pet fee on the bill. And, and she looked at me and she said, that's okay. She said, that's been taken care of. Don't worry about it. And I thought, oh, okay, it was about 20 bucks. So anyway, and, but she looked at me, and I hadn't said anything to her, but she looked at me and she said, but would you do me a favor? And I'm thinking, okay. You never know what you're going to get into. You know what I mean? I said, yes. I said, sure. What can I do? And she said, would you pray for me? Now, we're standing there in the middle of the lobby. And she said, would you pray for me? Not just for me, but for my coworker who was sitting over here. Pray for Janelle and Marion, would you? I don't know what their needs are, other than needing Christ. But unspoken requests they both had. But how did she come up with it? I'm nowhere near perfect. But how did she come up with that? Maybe Saul's dressed, going to church, carrying our Bibles, whatever. But the fact is that she had the, she had the courage to ask. So I prayed with her. 
right there in the lobby. In public. That's not me. That's God. I don't know what the need is. Don't need to. God knows what they are. But pray for them. We, the whole idea, folks, is that we need to be the reflector. But lamps with multiple wicks, as Faith Chapel here, you can shine brighter. Back in our opening in, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus spoke the words just prior to that, to the, to, to the ones that we read in verses 14 and verse 15. He says, you're the light of the world. You are the light. He's saying, you're shining me. You're making me famous, if you will. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Jesus in the New Testament references a candlestick or a lampstand five times, and each time he's referring to a place where individual wicks, I think, or people are brought together for a focused purpose. What is our focused purpose? It's getting out Christ. It's getting out the gospel. It's bringing people to the Lord. Add our wicks together. Fueled for the proper, proper source. Lit for the proper purpose. One last thing, very quickly. This is obvious. Okay, like I said, I'm not saying anything new this morning. Just trying to encourage us. But one last thing. But we often miss it spiritually. A wick cannot light itself. Wow, that was profound, wasn't it? Uh-huh. A wick cannot light itself. It's frustrating, isn't it, to try and manufacture a spiritual fire. But that's trying to be done all over our world. And no matter how hard we try, the reality is, is that it's fake. Okay? God can use us, God will fill us, and God will use us, but God will get the glory. Anybody that comes to you and says, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and they do all of these show-type things, trying to get glory for themselves, it's fake. We were ministering in Alaska, in Alaska years ago, and uh, Mandy's, we were staying with Mandy's brother and, and uh, his wife, and they took us to an ice castle. In Alaska. And beautiful sculptures. They even had a fireplace in it. Go figure. It's 22 degrees all the time, but they had a fireplace in this ice castle. Isn't that cool? Yeah. You could have weddings there. You could rent a room and spend the night there if you want to in your sleeping bags and your big parka, whatever you wanted to do. Uh, but they had a fireplace there. It was fake. It wasn't a real fireplace. You know, really, in an ice castle. It had lights. It was a sculpted fireplace with lights behind it that looked like a fireplace. But it was not real. You know, the thought just came to me. Is that many of us today where we've become frozen believers with a fake light supposedly burning in our Christian lives? Can I tell you this? Unbelievers can tell if we're real or not. They can tell if you love the Lord or not. They can tell if you really believe what you say you're, you believe or not. Now, I don't know the condition of everybody's wits. 
and it's not necessarily for me to know. But Christ already knows us. He knows our heart. He knows our wicks. He knows what the globe's like on our lives. And perhaps maybe there's somebody here this morning and you know Christ as your Savior, but your spiritual life seems dry, like the dry wick. I want you to know that supply, again, as we had said earlier, is abundant. God's Holy Spirit stands ready to fill us and use us if we will honestly and humbly come to him. If any of you lack wisdom, he says, ask of me, who gives who giveth liberally enough, not. he's not going to withhold. Maybe you're here and your heart's grown a bit crusted. Maybe it's grown a bit hard. Maybe you keep doing the same old things, trying to light, on your, trying to, to light it on your own. Uh, listen, the Lord stands by ready to ignite us and stir us up and light us up, if you will, as we, we said before. Trying to light it on our own won't work. Whether we need revival in our lives or, we need, or, or maybe there's somebody here that needs to come to Christ and receive him as their Savior. I don't know. Perhaps you're here and you just need to add your wick to God's candlestick here at faith. I don't know what the need, the need is. However, let me just simply say this. Let this, folks, be the year that we shine brighter and better for God. Jesus is coming again. Sometimes I kind of get the picture that he's standing, you know, you know how when you're getting ready to run a, uh, like a 50-yard dash or something like that, and you're standing on the starting line ready to go, and you're waiting for the whistle? I kind of get that impression. Now, he's not doing this, but this is kind of neat to think. I kind of think the Lord's standing there waiting. Father, is it time? I'm ready to go. It can be any time. Psalm 107 and verse 3. I kind of put together with Matthew 5 and verse 16. And Psalm 107 and verse 3 simply says this. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I am a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I am proud of it. God has saved me. God can use me. God desires to use all of us. We need to clean our wicks, trim them bright, get the crust and the hardness off of them, and shine for him. And then let the redeemed, let us say so. Let us be proud to talk about our Lord before others. You say, I don't know how to. Just simply tell others what Christ has done for you and in your life. That's a good start. I was talking to our doc, my primary doctor here a while back, had a, uh, an appointment for a follow-up, and I was talking to him, and he was 20 minutes getting late to me, but he didn't. He wasn't rushed or anything. He knows that we, we travel and we're in ministry. And he made a statement to, the, to me in this last appointment just a few weeks ago. And he said, how many times do you get to preach in a year? Something like that. And I thought, man, I don't know. And I, I told him, I'm not sure. I said, a lot. And he said, well, he said, I really think it's good that you're able to be out there saving souls. And boy, did he open the door wide. He asked for it, if you will. Great guy. I love him. We like him a lot. And I said, Doc, I'm not the one that does the saving. But I can tell you how to get to the one who does save. 
began to give him the gospel, what I could. He did not seem rushed. He was very receptive. He was a Catholic. Didn't matter. Had all the I hope answers. Didn't matter. Gave him the gospel. Prayed that he'll read the scripture. But I take that opportunity to say this as well. There are many opportunities that I have missed. And so it is with all of us. And we need to say, God, change me. Stir me up. I want my light to shine brightly before others that I might be that gospel witness and that reflector of Christ. Ignite my wick. Father, this morning we thank you for your love to us. What a blessing it is to know you. To know that you love us. That you saved us. That you direct us and teach us. And that you go with us each step of the way. And Father, I pray this morning that as we have this closing time of decision, that Lord, you will just instill in our hearts, show us those things that we need to maybe change in our lives, that we might be able just to step up to the plate closer and, and just give that seed of a gospel witness. Let it be planted. Let it be watered. Let it take root. But Lord, we pray that you would use us.